slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody is safe and well as we head toward the middle of June. Hard to believe that we are at June 12th, 13th, and 14th this weekend. And, you know, usually the Stanley Cup is being awarded right about now, but instead in this crazy, strange, unusual year, of 2020, we are watching teams hold informal workouts with the anticipation of training camps opening up. And yesterday, more news about that. We'll have the latest. We'll also break down one aspect of this playoff year that will be very unusual and discuss how it affects the Islanders. And we have our Islanders birthday of the day and a whole lot more to come on today's show. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, something that is on your mind, please feel free to email the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're more than happy to mention you on the air when we discuss whatever it is that is on your mind. You could follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest NHL and, of course, Islanders news and notes because uh, that stuff is coming faster and faster. Again, the Islanders facility is open. A number of players have been doing their informal workouts there, and that is always encouraging. Heck, at this point, after everything that we've been through, just knowing that these guys are back on the ice and working out and just sort of preparing for what we hope is a return to postseason action is encouraging, to say the least. Meanwhile, the NHL and the NHL Players Association yesterday reaching an agreement that training camps will open up on July 10th, and that will be the start of Phase 3 of the NHL's Return to Play plan. So, we are looking at a little less than a month right now, July 10th, when official training camps open. Now, that is all contingent on medical and safety conditions allowing that to happen, and... Essentially, they have not yet reached an agreement on a number of things that still need to be determined. Uh, The first one is when stage four, which is the formal beginning of the playoffs, when will that get underway? It still has yet to be determined. And I, I think that makes sense because the NHL really has to want to wait 
get as much information as possible, consult as many medical and scientific experts as possible, because that is obviously the best way to make these decisions, and then proceed with the best possible plan at that point. Now, the other thing that the NHL has not determined, you know, we talked before about there being two hubs, one for the Eastern Conference, one for the Western Conference, to hold all of these playoff games. The league has yet to determine what those hubs are, and some of the Canadian teams are trying to figure out whether they should hold their training camps in the United States or in their home city because Canada still has a 14-day quarantine rule for anybody entering the country. Now, there have been some discussions that they may waive that in order to allow one of the two hubs to be in a Canadian city, but again, that is something that we still do not know, and as of right now, we're still waiting on those two hub cities and and what they're going to be, but uh, look, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, has said that the NHL probably would not pick a city that requires the players to quarantine for 14 days upon entry to be one of the two hub cities. So, trying to work out something between the league and all of these cities. We know New York, New Jersey, Long Island, none of these uh, are going to be hub cities just because of how intensely our area has been hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, and because we want to, you know, just, it would not be a good move to have people coming into this area under the circumstances. So, it's interesting to see where the league is going to go. Either way, the Islanders are going to be involved. Either way, they are going to be facing the Florida Panthers in that first round of the playoffs, and that is the that's what we know for certain right now, that the uh, NHL is gearing up toward that situation. By the way, uh, on Twitter uh, and on the Islanders' website, nice little feature uh, about the Islanders' old official softball teams that uh, used to play charity games in the uh, 80s, late 70s, into the 80s. And I'll tell you, some of the Islanders who played in those games were very good. And and they also, you know, used to play charity games against the Rangers players at that time over the summer. And those games were friendly and full of respect. Competitive, absolutely. But friendly and full of respect. And, And the amazing thing is that as intense as the rivalry got on the ice, the level of respect off the ice was also at least that high. And, you know, some of those Islander players from the dynasty years, guys like Bob Bourne, guys like Clark Gillies, they were also, you know, baseball players growing up. And some of them were drafted by major league teams back in the day. So they really could play high quality softball and play it at a very high level. And and, and that made for some very interesting and competitive contests over the years. So, Nice memories there up on the Islanders' website regarding 
the Islanders softball teams. And uh, check it out if you get the chance, either on Twitter or on the Islanders' website. And they shared some videos interviewing some of the old players. And again, great to watch. So uh, check it out. Meanwhile, if you want to check out something great for your car, head on over to rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everyone and does not require a membership or an account logon. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered to your door with rockauto.com, and that's important, especially during this difficult time. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I wanted to talk a little bit about some uh, articles that have been going up, a series of articles on who wore it best in New York sports. And once again, Islanders greats not getting the love that they deserve. And look, I understand that most sports writers have a bias toward baseball or football, or basketball, hockey, you know, not as popular in sheer numbers of fans, but they got to be fair. And look, you could talk about Dave DeBusher, for example, number 22. Did, does he deserve a mention? Yeah, absolutely. Won two championships with the New York Knicks, was their final piece of the puzzle. But how do you compare him to Mike Bossy, who set all kinds of records, you know, never went below 50 goals until the last year of his career, one of the best snipers of all times, and yeah, DeBusher won four championships, but guess what, Mike Bossy, uh, DeBusher won two championships, guess what, Mike Bossy won four, so I, I, again, I just think, you know, Brian Trottier, Mike Bossy, a number of the Islanders' all-time greats, not getting the the respect that they deserve. And yeah, I know the Yankees have won this area from the press, but you got to give the Islander players their due. And I just think that in too many of these articles, uh, you know, the Islanders just deserve a little bit more respect than they're getting. This The dynasty teams from the Islanders, I have I have often said, and, and I've spoken to a number of other uh, media members and, and fans out there over the years, if the Rangers had won four straight Stanley Cups from 1980 to 83. They would have built a statue in New York for the, you know, the top players on that team. And they would have been gone down in hockey history. Or if it happened in Toronto or Montreal, you know, a lot of people talk about Ken Dryden and Guy Lafleur and Steve Shutt and Jacques Lemaire and you know, Larry Robinson and those great Canadians teams. And they are always in the conversation when you talk about all-time great hockey teams. And the same with the Oilers, with Gretzky and Messier and Curry and Anderson and Fuhrer and all the coffee. But 
the Islanders dynasty, even though they won four straight Stanley Cups, the same as the Canadiens, the Oilers never won four straight Stanley Cups. They don't get their due because Long Island is a smaller market, not as big a media market. They just don't get the respect that the other markets get. And it's a shame. It really, truly is a shame because the Islanders dynasty does deserve it. Now, this is Fans' Choice Week. And one issue that a lot of people are talking about right now that was on people's minds, so we're going to talk about it. How different is this year's playoffs going to be when the games are played in neutral sites, in, you know, hub cities, in front of no fans? And there will be no travel involved for either team, at least not until the Stanley Cup final, when, again, if everything goes according to plan, one or both teams will have to relocate to a different location. And, you know, the the fact of the matter is, the Nassau Coliseum gives the Islanders a very strong home ice advantage because the old barn, even the refurbished old barn, really does rock as loud as almost any building out there. It's the way the place was built, the way the roof is. And let's be honest, and Islander fans deserve a pat on the back for this, the way Islander fans are enthusiastic, are loud, and support their team. So it that aspect of it is gone. And yeah, the Islanders would have played three of the uh, five games in the opening series, assuming it goes five, uh, you know, five games, would have been at the Nassau Coliseum, but that's not going to be the case. And there still, however, will be a home ice advantage. And here is where. And I think this still also will benefit the Islanders. Matching lines. The last line change will still belong to the team that is designated as the home team. And that will give Barry Trotz and the Islanders uh, an advantage in three of the possible five games against the Florida Panthers. And I'll tell you something else. One aspect of this upcoming playoff that we're going to talk about more next week and beyond that I think is going to be absolutely fascinating. You have two Hall of Fame caliber coaches going against each other. Barry Trotz, Joel Quenville, both have won cups, both have won consistently over the course of their NHL careers. And, you know, both of them have won with teams with not a lot of talent, and they've managed to maximize that talent and get teams to the playoffs and even on fairly long playoff runs. And they've won with teams that have a lot of talent. Uh, Look, Joel Quenville's Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup winning teams have a heck of a lot of talent up and down that roster. And obviously, coaching Alexander Ovechkin uh, and company down in Washington was a talented roster for uh, Barry Trotz. So, again, that coaching matchup is going to be excellent. And Islander fans 
have to feel good about the fact that, you know, the Islanders now have two months to figure out, uh, or uh, let's say six, seven weeks to figure out uh, how to best go up against the Florida Panthers. But on the flip side, Joel Quenville, an excellent coach as well, and he's going to have the same amount of time to prepare for the Islanders. So should be interesting. No crowd noise. Will they pump in crowd noise? That remains to be seen. Not something we've heard anything about either way. But the home ice advantage will still be meaningful, not because of the crowd noise and the momentum, but because of that last change. And here's another thing. And I've heard psychologists talk about it. And to me, it's it's always interesting. Part of the home ice advantage in hockey is the crowd. Because psychologically, referees know if they make a call that goes against the home team, 15,000, 18,000, 20,000 people are going to be yelling at them and angry at them. And they don't want that. So, will games be called more evenly between the home team and the road team when there are no fans booing the referee after a call. That is something that will be interesting to watch and we'll keep an eye on once the playoffs get underway, hopefully around the beginning of August. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day and happy 51st birthday to Matthew Schneider. Uh, Schneider spent parts of two seasons with the New York Islanders. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, during part of the uh, Fisherman Jersey era, not the best time in Islanders history, he was with the team for the tail end of the 1994-95 season and the first three quarters, let's say, of the 1995-96 season. Snyder really was a a journeyman in some sense, always a quality uh, offensive defenseman. Now, his Islander stats, 78 games, 14 goals, 56 total points, and 123 penalty minutes. So, uh, you know, decent or good statistics for an offensive defenseman. But you look at his career numbers, 21 seasons in the National Hockey League, 223 goals and 743 points in 1,289 NHL games, eight years with the Canadiens, four with the Red Wings, three with the Maple Leafs, three in LA with the Kings, parts of two seasons with the Islanders, two seasons with the Rangers, also spent parts of seasons with the Anaheim Ducks, Atlanta Thrashers, Vancouver Canucks, and the Phoenix Coyotes. So uh, Matthew Schneider one of those players who truly did uh, get around the National Hockey League, to say the least. He turns 51 today, so happy birthday, Matthew Schneider. We're going to go back and look at one of his best games as an Islander. It's going to go to January 30th, 1996 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders in their fisherman jerseys taking on the Buffalo Sabres, who were still wearing their original-style jerseys back then. Islanders desperately needing some points, and they wouldn't have an easy time of it going up against Dominic Hasek in goal for 
the Buffalo Sabres, while Eric Fischo guarded the Nets for the Islanders. Islanders getting on the board first, Alexander Simak, his 15th of the season from Brad Delgarno and Marty McGinnis, just a minute 40 into the game and quickly 1-0 Islanders. Islanders extend their lead a little less than two minutes later. Nicholas Anderson, his sixth from Travis Green and Ziggy Palfi, 2-0 Islanders and we're only three minutes, 37 seconds into the game. But the Sabres did come back. Mike Wilson, his first of the season. Michael Pekka and Randy Burridge with the helpers at 7.51 and Buffalo was back in the game. It was 2-1. Followed play goal for the Sabres. Todd Bertuzzi in the penalty box for roughing at 11.54 and ex-Islander Pat LaFontaine gets his 19th goal of the season. Brad May and Randy Burridge with the helpers and after the first period, the two teams headed into the locker room all even at two apiece. Islanders regained the lead early in the second period, just 44 seconds in. Craig Muni and Doug Huda both in the penalty box for Buffalo, and Travis Green makes them pay his 18th goal of the season. Matthew Schneider with the assist. And it is a 3-2 Islanders lead. But Buffalo answers back late in the period with a power play goal of their own. Ken Belanger in the box for roughing. Gary Galley makes him pay his sixth from Alexei Zitnik and Pat LaFontaine at 14:55, 3 3-3 after 40 minutes of hockey at the Coliseum on this night. In the third period, Derek King gives the Islanders the lead an unassisted goal at 13:24, and it looked like the Islanders were skating to victory, but the Sabres pull Hasek, and with five seconds left in regulation time, Pat LaFontaine gets his second goal of the game, his 20th of the season. Michael Pekka and Randy Burridge with the helpers. Burridge, by the way, two, uh, three assists in this game, LaFontaine, a pair of goals and an assist against the Islanders. We headed to overtime and the Islanders win it there. Matthew Schneider, his seventh of the season, the game winner at even strength. Bob Sweeney and Martyrs skate away with a 5-4 to four win over the Buffalo Sabres in this game. Islanders, 35 shots on goal in this one. And the only Islanders with multiple points, Travis Green and Matthew Schneider. Schneider, one goal, one assist, as had Green. Getting his goal on three shots on goal, and he had the game winner. Derek King led all Islanders players with six shots on net, followed by Marty McGinnis with five. Brian McCabe and Martin Straka led the Islanders. They were each a plus two. As for Eric Fischo, 22 saves in 26 shots to earn the victory as the Islanders on the game-winning goal by birthday boy Matthew Schneider beat the Buffalo Sabres 5-4 back on January 30th, 1996. Hope everybody has a great weekend. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now have your smart device Play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL 
for a league-wide perspective on the game of hockey. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Remember, every day gets us one day closer to hockey. And of course, let's go Islanders.